Ladies and gentlemen, today we've got a special podcast. Not so special, but should be relatively entertaining. We're going to start off with a little discussion about Chernobyl, digging into the HBO hit series that came out after the sorry, sad ending of Game of Thrones. And then we're going to go discuss a little bit about the Federal Reserve. Kyle's going to do uh, an extensive overview on all of the heavy economics behind it. So stay tuned for that. And then we'll jump into Facebook, social media, the new smoking gun. So Soren or Kyle, starting off, you both have seen the show Chernobyl, except for Kyle hasn't seen all of it because he's a piece of piece of work. I actually lied. Guys... I haven't watched any of it. <laughs> Damn it. I'm just what kidding. Did you, what did you think about the opening episode, opening scene? I think it was uh, it was pretty awesome because the guy kills himself. Who does? I'm just kidding. Isn't that like in the first like two minutes? Like they, they start with like the end. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's like a great storytelling device where you just kind of end with it. I think that's what like the creator is kind of going for. Is like, you know, this guy's going to die right yeah, away. My favorite thing about TV these days is that in the past you had just so simplistic plots and people falling off stuff and and just these simple stories. And now things are being told in an incredibly creative and intensely engaging way. Yeah, I agree. People like fall off of stuff way less now. And I really like that. <laughs> Again, with the sin- scintillating commentary. Kyle. That's we're what gonna, you said. We're going <laughs> to mute- people falling off stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to mute your microphone. <laughs> the rest of the podcast, you can listen. <laughs> Kyle, shut up. Um, no, yeah, I agree. I, and I, I think just removing that from the equation, like how's this guy going to react? Like you already know. So like that sets the tone for like how bad the next six episodes are going to be, right? Like the stuff, like pushing yourself to that, that place in life. Yeah, it definitely sets the stage for the entire show. One, you know, I, th- I think what the creator of it, do you know who's na- what his name is, Soren? Yeah, Craig Mazin. Craig Madsen? Mazin, M-A-Z-I-N. Craig Madsen, he wanted to do something a little bit different instead of pulling everybody into this storyline where you're like, oh, you know, when's it going to explode? And, you know, you're all excited. He kind of sets things off the the pace right at the beginning. Things getting destroyed while well, someone killing themselves in the future. So you you know what to expect, but there's still a lot more to unfold throughout the entire story. Yeah, what's really interesting about him is like he did like he wrote like one of the scary movie series. Remember yeah. those like back in like the like two thousand. I don't even well maybe it was even the nineties like the two thousand like those scary movie franchise. And the comedy, yeah, yeah the comedy. I wow. feel like I feel like uh, that was definitely like an early two thousands type of movie. It seems like like just yeah. the way it was with like the Wayne brothers and yeah. Oh yeah, scary movie three is the one that he wrote. Which, if you can remember, is the one where they spoof uh, War of the Worlds. Yeah, I think I'd seen that in the theater, and it was so bad. It's like one of those movies that I wanted to walk out of. Like, you know, those, (laughs) I just couldn't stand it. Yeah, some of those, uh, we actually talked about this a little last week, about uh, how there can be good, uh, like, kind of spoofy movies, or almost like, it's like, the satire is not 
subtle enough and it's just not funny. Yeah, well, it goes back to that conversation about like genres. And I think that's one of the things that's always interested him. And then going back to Chernobyl, just like that story arc of the guy dying right away and then telling this story through this lens of, I don't even think in the first episode, you don't even see him until like maybe the very end or maybe the, the beginning of the second episode, but just like this interesting intro and then diving right into like the Chernobyl disaster. Yeah, I don't think he is in the first one because the first one focuses more on how they're reacting to the initial uh failure and i thought it was fascinating to see like the people really have no idea what's going on there's people standing on the bridge watching dancing in the radioactive ashes and you just you could like as a viewer you know like wow this is not going to be good but they just have no idea it was almost hilarious like the people on the bridge like oh wow a nuclear (laughs) a nuclear power plant and it's exploding sweet let's (laughs) watch it yeah and like the yeah, we, we think about that now, but like I, I listened to the I think Taurus, you'd listen to the podcast, too, with Craig Mazin, the HBO podcast. Yeah. And he was like, just people didn't know anything about it. They they thought things like, oh, like vodka will actually cure me if I drink vodka. I won't get I won't get radioactive poisoning. And like even like the firefighters who arrived on the scene, that was how they were. And some people didn't even have like outfits on they're just going to to the fire at the at the at the plant yeah I mean, and, and, and it was crazy when the guy picked up the hunk of graphite on the mm. ground he's like oh what's this and the guy's God, like, what oh, a nothing. what a horrific scene oh yeah, just but there's is... still like a piece of logic there as far as the vodka because i had a roommate in college who was really sick and he told me that when you chug a bunch of whiskey it kills all the malignant viruses and all that stuff in your system and you get better a lot a lot quicker are you sure it's your roommate or did i tell you that (laughs) (laughs) well just just think about it logically you're putting alcohol which kills germs directly into your bloodstream makes sense it kills it all yeah the guy grabbing the graphite (laughs) just picking that up and then is didn't they actually they had one of the firemen throughout in throughout that historical situation who picked up a piece of graphite and his skin was just severely burned yeah i i think a lot of it is like they've taken leeway of course this is like a retelling of it and like mash characters together and there wasn't like this big like ending scene but like a lot of the elements are all based in like real stories and like people did pick up the stuff which is just nuts yeah, well, because you have no idea. And, and that goes back to even a little bit of the like the propaganda around the towns that were located near the power plants. They're all like told like you're the atom is your friend and we control it. And like it gives us all this great energy and there's there's nothing wrong. There can be nothing wrong with it. Right. Yeah. And like tying like even that scene where they're like they're all in that basement and like the leaders of the plant and the old like old party leaders like Len, like tying everything back to Lenin being like, you know what? We can't let the people people be enemies of themselves. Yeah. So we, we need we need to like cut the phone lines and things like that. Yeah. In order to reduce the spread of misinformation which i thought was pretty orwellian and great i, I think that was a great line one of the first lies that kind of surfaced was getting all of these people around these nuclear power plants and telling them that they were safe so i don't know if it's just like if they knew how dangerous it was or if they 
just kind of had like that mindset that like we control this, like this is something that bends to our will and like just kind of the arrogance going about it, you know? Yeah. Especially because uh, in the Soviet Union, they kind of alluded to this in the show, like a lot of the people who were running these, the uh, ministries of various things were former workers who maybe not, maybe didn't have the expertise in the field, but since they were party men and loyal to the cause, they were promoted. Yeah. Which is a scary system where it's not merit based, but it's based on your political power and your, your loyalty. Yeah. Loyalty to the, to the party. That's kind of the society that Soren's been trying to push for, for a while. (laughs) Not necessarily one of merit, just one of, if I'm loyal, I get to go to the top. Yeah. Wow. Sounds pretty, pretty good for, for like 20 people. And then everyone else historically hasn't done so well it seems like but they didn't deserve it kyle (laughs) they were if they were just if they were just a little bit more loyal (laughs) what would you say yeah i think everyone's equal just some people are more equal than others right (laughs) exactly comrade what surprised you about (laughs) the show kyle i thought some of the most like just jarring moments were how fast i don't know if this is accurate to real life but how fast like uh the radiation was like visible effects, like a guy holding open a door and he's like extremely sunburnt on like half his body that was exposed. And then his legs started bleeding. Yeah. Just his skin like completely destroyed. I thought that that was the the most shocking thing. Just like the, the rapid onset of the symptoms. Well, like it was crazy to me, like him talking about what it's like to go through it and then just being like, Oh, there's like a latency period where everything looks like you're heading towards like healthiness and then it just hits you again. And that's like so scary to think about. I wonder why that is. So one it's, they gave the example of the radiation um, being like bullets, go these tiny bullets going through your body at what millions of miles per hour. Yeah. Almost a speed mm-hmm. of light. So what happens to a cell when it gets blasted by this, tiny tiny piece of radiation going millions of miles per hour you'd think you think i don't know it sounds like not much but it may be with a ton of exposure that's where the real damage lies yeah i think i think why there's that latency period i was trying to do a little bit of research is because your cells get damaged interior like interior but they're still able to function because you didn't take like a dose to just cook you right there but it's kind of like a systematic failure where it just like things cascade and you, your body can't keep up and repair this, the damage that has happened. So like one system fails and then that causes the next system to fail. And then it, it's a cascade effect. And then I think the guy described like at a certain point, like your, your blood vessels are so damaged that they just burst. So you can't even give the, these guys uh, morphine to get rid of the pain. Yeah. The nerve oh, endings. It's just God. like so awful. Yeah. Like, like, wouldn't you rather I would just rather end it. I was talking to my wife about it just like just just like shoot me. Like it, you know, it's just it's just not worth it. I won't be buried alive. <laughs> yeah. That'd be way less probably way not as bad as like no, exploding wait, no, from wait. the inside out. Wait, radi- radiation poisoning and buried alive or oh. or just buried alive? I guess you'd suffocate, right? Yeah. Probably. Oh. No, I'd use my Kill Bill uh, Uma Thurman <laughs> skills and I'd smash my way out of there. And just somehow <laughs> dig straight up and just like and fly then, out. Yep. And, and then I take revenge. 
go and hug the person who tossed you into the hole. <laughs> I love those no! arrogant people who think like who think that they can do that. Yeah, I, yeah, I wonder it, how hard that would it'd probably be because the second that that thing breaks, now you're covered with like two thousand pounds of rocks. What what thing breaks the like the, the coffin? Casket. Yeah, like there's no way you're getting out of that. <laughs> Yeah, I think I don't know. Would you rather be very alive or radiation? Definitely radiation. Well, it depends on the level radiation. How about looking over the top of that? The Chernobyl. What was the thing that actually exploded? The core. The core. core, Looking at the top of the core while all that radiation is firing out. Like stick your head over there, Sorn. (laughs) Or at least wouldn't it be over in like twenty minutes or whatever? If you like. Like they showed like that helicopter going over and then they just like fell in. Yeah. So that's crazy. So did the radiation, like there was so much radiation coming off of it that it like made the metal not as strong anymore, like just blasting through the metal and then it failed that way. It probably yeah. destroyed all of the like bonds between like the, the molecules holding everything together. Yeah. That's crazy. And then like uh, the, I looked, I looked this up. The, the like blue light that comes that was coming out of the top that's like a, a thing that actually happened from all the radiation ionizing the air like that wasn't just like a visual uh thing to make it look awesome on the show like that's it's like basically the inside of a neon light it's i heard crazy. they i th- heard they blew up a small uh, uh a small power plant or a small nuclear power plant just to do the filming of it <laughs> <laughs> Chernobyl. Uh, What's amazing to me is how much I didn't know about Chernobyl. I think like my wife Michelle was like, you know, I I didn't really know much about. It. Like I had known like, oh, there was a nuclear nuclear disaster. Oh, like the Russians are responsible, and like that's it. I don't think I really knew about the potential impacts and like the horror of it. Yeah, like how I how think- bad it could have been. How much worse it could have been. And like, honestly, like the sacrifices of like the Russian people is like truly amazing, like truly like amazing, like those those miners when they're going naked underneath and digging that digging that trench to like build up this this thing to cool down stuff like just sacrificing their whole lives. And like the head of the miners being like, oh, like are my men being going to be taken care of? And the head of guy going like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I was surprised that that guy was able to be that honest because I feel like it would have been a lot easier to lie in that point, you know? Yeah, just be like, yeah, of course. Exactly. (laughs) Especially because it seems like uh, like the Soviet culture seemed like it wouldn't they wouldn't they would just lie in that point of view. So I think that kind of showed like that guy because that guy like at the very beginning, he doubted the scientists a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. But you could definitely tell that like as the as the crisis continued that he kind of fell out of love with the Soviet union and his position and kind of saw things for what they were. I think he knew things for what they were already at the, like while they were in the initial meeting and stuff. Yeah. Because he's the one who saw through everything and he, he, you know, he realized when they recruited all the miners, he, you know, what are you going to shoot us? He, he always had the edge on them and he knew what to expect and you knew he didn't really have a choice in the matter. See, I, I think it like in at least in the show, I think his mindset changed when the scientists told him that they were already dead, basically. Like within five years, they were going to be dead. Maybe because because before it seemed like he was pretty arrogant about everything, 
And then the minor? No, the uh, the like the 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 guy who the Whoa. scientist is going Stalin Skarsgård guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought yeah, was, I, yeah. I thought the I minor was, too. Like I I thought the minor was like a great character, just like a real like like a blue collar guy, but just so fucking smart. You know what I mean? Like just like like just know stuff, and like he could have been like like any kind of thing. Yeah, just really just smart. logical. Yeah. Like and like yeah, like the masks. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. But yeah, the fucking like they worked, so you'd be wearing them. So and we, we were calculating. I think it was like a hundred and like thirty or one hundred forty degrees Fahrenheit below. Could you imagine how fucking hot? Just like how awful and how yeah, tough so you'd have to be how, to do how that. How hot is fifty degrees Celsius? Because you said fifty degrees, and I figured it was Celsius, but yeah, I don't know. Like hundred and forty. Jeez. Yeah. But yeah, going back to like the spirit of those people, I think there was like a poem that they read at some point in time i'm guessing it was in the podcast that talked about like the spirit of the russian people and yeah it was like an intro to one of the episodes like they didn't i don't think they did uh text but they just did the the speech of it was it in russian yeah Yeah. we both know russian now (laughs) you guys gotta i'll I'll play it next time and you guys can just tell me what's going on they reference like you know this is a hard land and we're you know hard people and you know th- we have the ups and downs but this is our land and we're gonna fight for it and we're gonna do you know we're gonna fight for our land just kind of speaking to the resilience of the people and the kind of the respect that they had for the land for the the people that lived in russia do you think that that type of sacrifice and willingness to do that crosses cultures and, and today, I, I definitely didn't... think so. I mean, like, like you think about, like, even the stuff with nine eleven. Have you seen, like, like the firefighters yeah. who went into nine eleven and did this? And even recently, where there, there's like this battle going on in Congress about paying like their health care bills and stuff like that, and just like securing these people who sacrificed their life. Like, I think going into that building, you know that like you're you might be sacrificing yourself for a greater good. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, I I, th- I actually f- there's a lot of parallels probably with the miners and just the the people in general, like the guys who go into the basement in the pitch dark water to go drain it. Oh, what a great scene, right? Like the ending oh. of that episode where the 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 flashlights give out. Yeah, that was so good, and that was, yeah, it just built the tension up, and you're like, holy crap! Like, what's gonna? Are they gonna make it? Or- and there was like no dialogue whatsoever. No. Yeah, because they all had their, their masks and gear on, and it's just breathing, the, the Geiger counters just <laughs> like the entire time. You're like, holy shit! Yeah, can was... you imagine just being like, it's like it's like one of those details that you like, like possibly just would overlook. You know, like you you bring a flashlight down, and you'd be like, yeah, we can use the flashlight, and then it just dies. Yeah, <laughs> the battery gets destroyed by all the radiation. And you're just like. My wife was like, we need one of those flat, those like those crank flashlights in our apartment. <laughs> You're gonna, you should, you, you I was like, we, we, have one. <laughs> we live in like downtown San Francisco. Like, I don't think we're going to have an issue. Or you guys might have the biggest issue. Maybe an earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're stuck in all like, it's going to be actually dark in all those buildings and stuff. Right. What but, impressed uh, me was when uh, the, all those people went on top of the building because they sent that Mars probe or the the whatever probe that was supposed to be designated for the moon by the Germans or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the Russians 
lied or the Soviet Union lied saying like, oh, the, the radiation is whatever level. It's not yeah, like that 3. high. 3.6 or something. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was off. And so they, the Germans like, oh yeah, well, you know, like we have this and it can withstand those, those readings that you're telling us right now. We'll send that over to you so we can help out, you know, by any means send it over and it dies like almost immediately. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it go back to the thesis, right? The cost of lies. Like it's just, uh, and nobody those... thought twice about that. It's like, oh no, we'll just lie. And we'll, we'll get this out of it. But that those lies had a consequence as well. Like trusting the experts versus like your own position, like admitting we're at fault versus trusting the experts. Yeah. Wasn't so. there a quote in the, was it in the podcast where they said like, Basically, this is the worst case scenario for the Soviet Union because they're a culture based on not being embarrassed. And this is the most embarrassing thing that could ever happen type of thing. Yeah, I think it might have come from. Yeah, it sounds like something that came from the podcast. So instead of the instead of having a a lunar rover, they just send a bunch of people like the human human robots. Yeah. Hey, uh, (laughs) hey, Orgyle, Mikolov, Dmitry. Hey, Torsten. We're going to send you into like the most hostile radiation environment ever created. Yeah. Talk about an amazing like 90 second shot where like they followed that character who had to shovel. And I can't imagine one, how heavy it was and just like go through it. And each one of those was what? 90, 90 seconds, like the actual clip too, right? Yeah, it was 90 second clip. Yeah. And then one guy gets his foot stuck between two like super... <laughs> radiation pieces of graphite <laughs> yeah it's just it's like hell it's re- like literally that place is hell on earth right Radi- radiation has to be this the most terrifying just uh phenomenon in the world like completely unseen well even if even if you don't feel it and it's around you you're gonna die like five years later just because it I'd, destroyed all your cells i'd rather get radiation poisoning than like tortured by some Mexican cartel. So like that 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 lady's husband at the end. Oh yeah. Who's like good god like a, a puddle of of human fluids. You'd rather be that than tortured by the Mexican cartel. Yeah. I don't know what's worse. I don't know. Dude, I I think radiation's got to be the worst way to die of all time. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to tell. Like wasn't pleasant. Were there any Oh, go ahead. Sorry, one of the other shocking things for me was the just like the standalone uh, like sequence of those guys uh, shooting shooting the dogs or shooting the, oh, the pets. I was gonna say that one. You stole it. <laughs> <laughs> All mean, right, they, podcast they over. Had, they had to do that, right? Yeah, talk yeah. about like a necessary evil, right? Yeah. Just, Which was a clip from an actual story too, an actual event. It wasn't just dramatized there. Well, I think they said, did you listen to this uh, in the podcast? He was saying, like, you know, that scene where they're dumping, they're dumping all the, the, the pet bodies into the pit and then they're going to cover it in cement. Yeah. And there's a, a what, what according to one of the people who was there, there's like a scene where one of the animals hadn't died. Yeah. I was suffering. It's, it's in the midst of it and they didn't have any bullets left. And you can't go wade into this, you know, like you're not going to, you're not going to go into wade and like, just like awful 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 yeah yeah the, the the things that those people had to see to while cleaning up that mess almost kind of 
brings us into the Facebook segue if you want. What's that? The uh, the article that Soren shared with us. Introduce it then. Well, are we ready to move on from death and well, destruction? You already changed this goddamn subject. <laughs> it's called a tease, you idiot. Now I was making people listen for 10 more minutes. Jesus. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> More puppies dying. Yeah, exactly. But uh, do, do you guys want to move on, or is there anything else that really stood out to you? I think also just like yeah, like the the protect the shield mentality of of the the government was really scary. Yeah, I mean that was just a constant theme going back to the cost of lies. Yeah, and just I I think like this was like just a phenomenal show overall, and. Like one of the best series that I think I've ever seen, and just like Jared Harris as the main guy, Stellan Skarsgård, um, the Emily Watson, just like so many amazing actors and actresses in this. That it just was excellent. Did you yeah. guys find it strange? Uh, this is more of like a production thing than a actually commentary on the show that they just kind of stuck with their like their natural accents. I didn't. I'm not like an accent. I have like a friend who's like he gets upset whenever there isn't like an accent when there isn't an accent. But in the podcast, the creator was saying like it just it felt weird to have these people like adopt like a a, a Russian accent in it. And he thinks that like it it was like more of a service to the story to have these people talk in different things, even though they're all Russian uh, people or, or Soviet Union uh it just like was a, a more natural thing and i think it, i felt that too i don't i wouldn't want them all to put on a russian accent no it probably would have been harder for them to portray emotions and stuff too if they're also focusing on making sure you get the accent pretty right because that's the other thing a bad accent is yeah worse than no accent <laughs> yeah i think so <laughs> like a horrible accent yeah like uh whatever the hell uh, uh what's that hardy guy Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, like any accent he ever does, <laughs> like Mad Max. You're just like, what? What is that? Like that's all you can focus on. And then he's the most badass criminal in the world in Batman. He just sounds like a clown. What about uh, Braveheart? They took on a lot. They put in on a lot of accents in there, but it still came out pretty good. Yeah, I, I thought they Scottish did a good job. Probably one of the easier ones. I could crush you like a worm. <laughs> what? <laughs> A worm? A worm? I think the darkness is your ally. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Bane. Christ. <laughs> so, jumping into Facebook. Kyle, you want to take that over? Or Soren, you want to brief? Uh, it was Soren's idea, so let's have him do the over overview. Yeah, basically, I mean, there's, there's two things with Facebook. One is, we can talk about the cryptocurrency, but the first thing is this. Um, the The... The kind of work they've done in outsourcing content moderation. It's been a series of articles that have been done by Kate, this guy Casey Ark at the at the Verge. And basically he's interviewed a bunch of like contractors and this vendor called Cognizant. Yeah. Where they've where Facebook has outsourced the 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 people who like look over everything that they want to like moderate on the site. So it's like stuff like child pornography violence just people committing awful things and these people have to watch videos all day long or watch content all day long and flag it whether it's like according to the facebook standards or not and so facebook has essentially outsourced all of this to these vendors and the article just goes over their their kind of 
going back to like Chernobyl, like complete hell, just complete hell of a job. Like, could you imagine like eight hours a day of watching in the articles they talk about you're paid like 15 bucks an hour and you're watching stuff like a guy beating puppies to death and you have to watch the whole video to make yeah. sure that it is or like a person committing suicide or another person like cutting a baby out of a womb, just like terrible, terrible things. And so yeah, they, why do you have to watch the whole thing? I think you have to watch like at least like 30 seconds. It's according to like Facebook guidelines. You have to like watch it and make sure that it's like a real thing. And it's not like a fake video or something. Yeah. And like these vendors environment, it just, it it describes an environment of chaos at these, at these places. And like people who have been promised, Oh, like you're going to work at like a big tech company and you might, you might have the opportunity to like get a full-time job at Facebook and you're going to be doing like marketing and and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, but you actually just watch videos of like people like getting beheaded 24 hours a day. The people that they try to recruit for those jobs too are probably ones that don't really know like how absurd it would be to be, picked up for like a crazy job at Facebook no. at $15 an hour and through a, like a, a recruiting agency. Yeah. It's like, it's like the thing for me is like the article doesn't really go into, it's a great point about targeting people who just may not un, like, like targeting vulnerable people. Yeah. And so they like, just, like, there's no mental health services. Lots of people quit. There's just this whole environment of chaos. Yeah, and it's, it's said, like, and also like the people who run like the cognizant. I don't want to get in trouble because I don't know how true this is, but in the article, like apparently they don't really take care of their facilities. They have people sharing desks through different shifts, and the, the desks are full of boogers and pubic hair, and the bathrooms are disgusting. Like they had to put up signs that say like "Don't wipe anything on the walls," which mm-hmm. like <laughs> if you need to say it, like. Something bad's happening. Don't flush down like more than five toilet seat covers at a time. No upper deckers. Yeah. (laughs) Please don't poop in the top of the toilet. Specific (laughs) one to Soren. Watch out. I think think every job has that sign in their house. (laughs) People always send me a company wide email address to me. Yeah. It's like CC'd to everybody, but the two line is only your email. (laughs) Yeah. We've been noticing a lot of upper deckers lately. <laughs> we're not asked. pointing. We're not pointing fingers. He's the only one in the two line. Stop. Yeah, that'd be that would be a, a crummy job. What's we'll the answer? Like, like, do you think? Like, do you do you honestly think? Like, you guys? Like, I personally think I'm like a resilient person, and I think I could watch some stuff and be okay with it. Like, like, like rough, rough. No, (laughs) he's like, well, the porn I watch is super crazy. So super rough guys, (laughs) super rough porn. (laughs) All right. But do you think that, do you think you'd be like, like, like eight hours a day watching this stuff for months? I think that's for months. I, I, I honestly, I don't like, you'd have to have PTSD. I, I don't either that or you'd like turn into a psychopath. Like, be like, I can't wait to get to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And then you're just like, you're just completely desensitized to everything that you see. And you're like, well, that's not bad. I watched someone kill a iguana by smashing it until it turned into a, a bloody pulp. 
and you're like, oh shit, dude. Yeah. Uh, what What do you think? I mean, let's aside from like the super nasty stuff. What would be some of the the rough things you have to watch? Like, no, Soren, you're going to be on bowel movement control. We just don't want to see you know like too many bowel movements in in on our Facebook thing. So you're going to watch um, eight hours of people pooping. Okay, would that be? Do you think you could tolerate that for eight hours? Pooping for enough well, money paying, paying for, for fifteen dollars an hour? Of course. <laughs> I I think like you maybe have to like like switch people off between things. I think like like child pornography would be a really, really hard thing for me to watch. No, I couldn't yeah, I couldn't watch that. It's that, like that, like, that like, like true say, true detective or you know, you just like that would know. be like, yeah, the thing immediately where it'd be like, I need to figure out this guy's IP address. I'm curious what they do then. Do they send do they have some sort do they send that to like the FBI? Do they how do they pursue that you'd, stuff? You'd have just... to send it to, I think you're required by law. If you if you expect like suspect that it's like an underage underage you know, person that you have to report it to the police. Yeah, that's. I think maybe one of the redeeming factors is hopefully a lot of psychos have been caught through that. Well, it's like, what's the the nature of the internet is like replicating things, right, and copying things, and that's like the that's that's the natural state of the internet, right? And so, like, you have these things like shootings, and if if someone posts a video of a shooting, it just gets replicated. And I honestly think it's a very hard task to actually get control of these things. That's why I, the question I was going to bring up earlier is, do these jobs even need to exist, especially considering how taxing they are on the people performing them? Is I mean, there a thing where sort of you... Moderation? Well, I mean, can you just not watch the video? I, I think like you, you need some sort of human... I, at this point, I think in our in our society we need some sort of human editorial element which sucks and like you can use ai and stuff like that to kind of get rid of things but you almost like are required to have a human decider but isn't that the point though that you can't get rid of these things they're going to keep coming up regardless you can take you can cut off one head but there's already two more that are grown right yeah and that's that's the hard part about it I, i i under i completely empathize with like the stance of it's just so hard to combat this that's what that's what i'm saying do we do we start expecting people as a society to be responsible enough to say hey i don't want to watch this shit i'm not going to i'm gonna block or whatever mute anytime it comes up and just try to have the responsibility be on the person watching the video i don't think it's possible i think you look at things like a uh, normal distribution and for the most part people are good you have the great people on one end who have very high ethical standards. And on the other end, you have a lot of twisted individuals. And I think that there's a market for that, for those, that type of chaos. Well, it's like, um, you guys remember, you guys like, if you guys use Reddit and like, they, they've been cracking down a lot in their communities and there's like the people fucking dying. Have you heard of, you've heard about this one? No, Where it's, it's just like showing people who have died. And I mean, I but think, there's that's all over the internet. Yeah, that's it's all over the but like I think these platforms actually have a responsibility with with these stuff. I, I honestly think like Facebook has a responsibility to get rid of this. So because I think they're a media company. I think they're they're a media company, even though they they claim they're not, they, they are. Yeah, they claim they're uh 
forum. They claim, yeah, they claim they're a platform for everything. But they're media, they charge advertising. They're a media company, I think. So, but if you, if you start if you start regulating them, like, well, here this is actually maybe a, a thing. So if they're going to have to be regulated like publishers, does every single post you make need to be approved before going up? Well, it's this this whole what was it the federal. Um, the the communications decency act i think of the decency act where platforms are basically exempt from any kind of laws about it yeah because it's it's the open uh the open forum or like the you're you're talking the park type of thing versus <laughs> if you're choosing what's on the what's on the website then you're liable for what's on the website yeah i mean like if fox news or like new york times or, or something like that broadcast like a beheading or like some kind of advocacy or even if they just post something that's libelous they're mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're they're but the kind of like the companies like facebook and twitter like they just said oh we're just like a platform we're, we're not we're not responsible at all for the content so that's what i'm saying so if if these guys want to be continuing or want to continue having the benefits of being a platform and, and having that legal barrier, do these jobs need to exist? I think so. Because if you, if you saw this stuff in your feed, I like just like surface up because someone like accidentally liked a post or like it just got surfaced up in the algorithm, there would be like uproar. Why not like block it, it though? Well, you'd still see it. I think that that would call it cause like an out. Like if 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 they showcase like a beheading video or something like that to like a like twelve year old, yeah, I think that that would be like that would cause an uproar that people would say like, oh, Facebook has to be regulated. Well, yeah, and that's already that's already happening. That's why I think this is this is one of the tougher uh, kind of arguments in our society right now is the the internet's so vast that there's really no way to regulate it. You know what I think is a little bit malicious in terms of how Facebook operates, though, is their algorithms in terms of putting forward chaos. So things that people are are naturally inclined, you know, so if in news, it's the disasters are the ones that sell the chaos, all the things that are going wrong that sells. And so we definitely see that in media in general. But in Facebook, they have their algorithm set to like, oh, is this like something that would disturb this individual in particular? Let's let's put it in front of them so that they will be more likely to click on it and to create that that type of unrest. Yeah, well, because it, optimizations, well, right, for engagement, which yeah. is never, yeah, you don't know. Like, is that the criteria we want to use as, as a society? Absolutely not. Because, you know, it just creates this, in my opinion, it just create it continues to create um, barriers between people. I agree. But that's the thing that sells, right? True. Getting, but getting people also- riled up is what, what, what makes people engage, right? So if you're yeah. going to hamper these companies' ability to engage based on what the market wants, I don't think that just be, I, I don't think you can look at it as like, this. well, this is a thing that, is bad for society because I don't, I don't think any one person knows what's necessarily good or bad for society. I think it's just different. I think that there's, I would assume that there's been some evidence as to the damaging effect of social media on society. Well, that's the thing. Are we, are we just being uh, ultra conservative here and say, this is, this is damaging because it wasn't like this in the past. 
or is this a new normal that we're going to have to learn to get used to and we're going to have to learn to balance and this is just because like there's there's upsides and downsides to every new form of technology right i don't and, think that uh an organization should try to encourage um unrest between individuals it's kind of like the inciting violence you can get cited for um creating unrest in society right yeah i don't think that should be like a thing that should be arrestable though if you're going to cause a big riot like you're you're not choosing to cause the riot you're just saying something that you think will cause a riot well can't you get in trouble for that i think i think technically you can like get in trouble for like it's the whole fire in a crowded room thing but I don't think that I think free speech actually does cover that, like inciting a riot. You think? Well, because you can't. You, I could go outside and try to incite a riot. I don't think I'd be able to do it. I think the think more convincing people could. <laughs> maybe let's riot, you guys. Yeah, come on, guys, let's go break some windows. Everyone's like, <laughs> shut up, jeez, you idiot. I, well, that's the thing. I, I I think I think it leaves more room to be. To be an authoritarian measure reducing people's freedom of speech, then it actually prevents this stuff from happening. You think, can you restate that again? So I, I think like the whole like uh, fire in a crowded room thing, I think it's used more frequently to to hamper like maybe a dissenting opinion or something that the people in power don't want you to say versus how many times it actually stops violence from occurring. So do you know where that law originated? No, but you're probably... No. So it was uh, during World War One, where people were uh, saying, basically, if you get drafted, leave. Don't go to Canada. Or go to Canada, go anywhere else. Don't go to war. Like, it was anti-war movement. And uh, the Supreme Court took it up, and they decided that there's certain types of speech that are harmful to everybody. And the, they didn't the, have the draft of World War One, did they? What? They didn't have the draft then. It wasn't the draft instilled after... Or it was, it was either World War One or World War Two. No, the draft happened earlier than Vietnam, right? I don't know, but I thought it was Vietnam. It might have been... It was way earlier than that. Because the, the, uh, in Vietnam, they couldn't get the people. World War One, they had people lining up left and right. World War Two, they had people lining up left and right. Vietnam, people were like, fuck that. And they're like, okay, well, let's instill a draft. Let's anyway... See. Well, the the war military draft happened in 1863 was when the bill was made. Conscription has caused riots since the Civil War. Um, There's a draft in preparation for World War I because the army only had 100,000 people at that time. I stand corrected then. Maybe the draft was stopped then after Vietnam. The the draft was dissolved after World War I. So I was... But in Vietnam, people were drafted. That was also a draft. And World War II, it was initially excluded from the draft, but then they started conscripting armed forces in 1943. But anyway, uh, so that, that's where the whole fire in a crowded room thing started. It, it, it was people who said, I'm drafted, I don't want to go to war. And they were telling other people, uh, don't go to war, like, dodged a draft and then the supreme court ruled that there's certain types of speech that aren't protected by the first amendment uh that being that you can't yell fire in a crowded room because it's an uh calling to violence basically oh i think the going back to facebook 
the I think the danger is you have an organization with such power and then they can manipulate elections. And now what what are they doing? They're they're creating a cryptocurrency. Yes. I think that's yeah. just, what's their cryptocurrency called? Libra. Libra. They just they just announced it on Tuesday, which apparently it's an ancient Roman unit of measure. It's also a isn't it also a like one of the signs that the earth comes under during a certain month or something? Yeah, one of the astrological. Yeah, one of those things. What what's your guys initial reaction to this? I bet you it's going to be worth a lot of money. So that's the thing. It's supposed to be tied to already existing currencies in a fixed exchange rate. That's interesting. Yeah, and they have a lot of like interesting people that are part of it and so they've created like a a separate like subsidiary or a standalone organization that is going to be creating the app that will do it. And I think they they've had people like PayPal, I think eBay, um like Andreas and Horowitz, some of these VCs who are like very interested in this, like get involved in some of the NGOs too, like Kiva and, and places like that. So this consortium of people who are going to issue this currency. I think largely it's to their marketing angle is like, oh, it's going to help the unbanked yeah. or the, the people who don't have bank accounts. And like, I, I think that this is like an industry that's like ripe for innovation because like sending money abroad is such a hassle and you have to spend so much money and people companies take so much money from you yes but is it a red flag that some of the biggest financial players are the ones that are founding this i don't know i mean like no most interesting i read the, like this wired article and like no banks are involved which of course is an interesting line yeah they they of course like companies like Spotify are are, are in this consortium, we increase their customer base, right? It's a natural way to have people pay for things if they don't have a bank account or don't have like US dollars. Yeah. And so the the thing that kind of stood out to me is it seems like it's 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 a uh, Bitcoin without like the thing that makes Bitcoin more valuable than fiat currency, which is it being like a hard asset that isn't under the thumb of governments because being tied to having fixed exchange rates between the fiat currencies i don't i don't think it like it might be a good way to transfer money but i don't think it's necessarily an improvement over the fiat currency system because it's still it's still subject to all the downsides the uh inflationary uh reserve banking and and printing money it still it still has all those features because it's tied to the government security or the government notes. <laughs> I killed the room. <laughs> Does that make sense or no? No. Don't uh, try and explain it. So like the whole the whole no, reason well no like the whole reason Bitcoin even became popular is it's a it's a more easily transferable version of gold. It's a hard it's a hard asset that there can there can only be a fixed amount of bitcoins in the world ever um it's it's not controlled by any government and the original one can't even be manipulated by the people holding the ledger but you can mine from yeah because there's a fixed inflation rate but there's a a, a ceiling there can only be 21 i think it's 21 million bitcoins ever 
Yeah, I don't know enough about the subject. But I mean, it's backed the court like like a lot of their marketing is like it's backed by like the blockchain technology. But I think like Facebook is part of this consortium of people who are call- like it's a permissioned uh, blockchain. So meaning like yeah. they each party is involved in like the blockchain process. So it's different from Bitcoin in that way. I think it's it's smart of them. It's very smart to like get involved with all these different players who are involved in it because I think if Facebook al- alone issued this, people would get really upset, and I don't think anyone would do it. Especially yeah, with all the how they've been in the negative press for the past two years or so, right? Yeah, and like and they say that the like so they started this what's it called Calibra or or something like they're yeah, they're like sucks or whatever. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do their own thing and then like in messenger and whatsapp which they own they're gonna like introduce this as a way to like pay people which is i think that's like the the underlying and then the issue is like the blockchain isn't necessarily for like transactions within their apps it's like stuff that's like outside or going international yeah so like the blockchain isn't involved in that so it's like they still own this they still get information from people and they're still finding ways to like extract money from people and that's the that's the real value play i think here yeah i think if this does so this kind of reminds me this is like the apple of cryptocurrency where it's going to be easy for people to use they're Mm -hmm. gonna it's going to be from like a trusted source they're not gonna it's not like people have like this conception that androids are like little tiny like hacker machines in your pocket that it takes like a genius to figure out or something when it's the exact same phone, but like it has that Apple ease of use that I think people value. And I think that's, I think that's going to be their play is this is like crypto light type of thing. Like this is crypto easy to use. It doesn't have all the features that like some of the more zealot based people like me would want from a cryptocurrency. You know what scares me though? is the amount of power that it continues to afford one organization. Yeah. So going to like the Federal Reserve, we're going to talk about that a little bit and then linking it back. Like the Federal Reserve was put in place and it was designed to stabilize the economy and avoid recession. And oh, if there's any type of uh, curb, curb inflation. Yeah. And if there's any type of economic instability, Oh, what we can do is we can you we can buy uh, notes, bank notes or treasury notes, and then we can put more money into the United States system, and then we can avoid um, we can avoid all this economic turmoil. So the, I think the danger is there's so much power at with the Fed. They they basically there's no regulation on the Fed. Right, it's not audited. No, it's technically a private organization. The there's we don't know who the shareholders are. And so it's I think it's dangerous because if you look at the Fed right now or the United States as a whole, there's just an insane amount of debt. And and let's say things were to get go south in the future and the United States wasn't able to pay its debt obligations, and let's say the dollar became not worth anything. And then you have companies like Facebook that have an incredible amount of power because they're tapped into what is it? Is, are they at two billion now? Three billion now? Like market share? Yeah, I think it's up there. 
No, I think it's more, way more than that. Members. Oh, members. Uh, yeah, probably. They've a third of the planet. One, 1. 1.7, 1.7 billion active users. When active. You have an organization like Facebook, which is just churning out money, and it's basically operating with impunity. I mean, nobody knows how to regulate it. You had Mark Zuckerberg go before Congress and testify, and he basically lied, you know, through his teeth. And, you know, you have an organization with so much power. It's like, let's say the dollar goes down and, and crumbles in some worst case scenario. Then you have an organization like Facebook who is already taking a particular political stance. You know, they'll kick certain people off of their platform that they deem um, as not beneficial to the Facebook society. And so they're they're curbing free speech in that sense. Now, what happens when now all of a sudden they have a currency and let's say it becomes a global currency because they have such a global reach, then what additional power does that afford one large institution that has a propensity to silence people already? That's actually a super good point. Is it controlling the monetary system, but... Man, yeah, that's crazy. Because if if they can remove you from a platform like that, which is like the unanimous social media platform, which is free, thing. you know, at this extent, the the way Facebook—that's a form of free speech. And how can one organization say that you can't talk? Because technically, yeah, they're not they're not a governmental body. Even though I would argue that that's not necessarily true, uh, given how many uh, stipends and and uh, tax credits and and taxpayer funding that they've received. Um, that's a that's a really good point. And if they can cut you out of not only, uh, your ability to speak, but your ability to pay, yeah, it's like hey, you know what? They violated Facebook policies. What we're going to do is we're going to cut them out of the platform. We're taking all of their money that's included in the platform. We're reallocating it to uh, Soren because he has a leftist agenda, and we appreciate that. <laughs> It's just, it's just like you, you get more of a centralized governing agency through a corporate organization. Yeah, I wonder if Facebook will get broken up. That's kind of the talk now is whether it should be. Trust bust. Well, that's the thing. It, is there really? So let's say Facebook gets to that point. Is the, is the government necessarily better? I think... Not necessarily better, but the principles in which the government, the United States government, were founded upon are better. That so that yeah, that is one good argument. But I could argue that you could buy one share of Facebook stock, and you probably have the same amount of voting power that you have in the United States, right? As being a United States citizen, you you can live, and let's say you're a United States citizen versus being outside the United States and you have one share of Facebook stock, you're saying that you have more voting rights for probably uh, as far as, as far as like uh, shareholder votes and stuff like that. Right. I, I'm having difficulty drawing the parallel there. What I'm saying is if you buy like one share of Facebook stock, you're a shareholder and you have say proportionately to the going ons of the company. Oh, you're saying relative to the United States. Yeah, and I think the difference is Facebook has figured out a way to make a profit and the government has never made a profit. So would that necessarily be worse to have Facebook running everything 
versus like a government that has certain rights that you don't have? Um, I don't think. Well, kind of playing a devil's advocate here. To simplify things, I don't think Facebook should be running anything. I think they should be a neutral party. A but, neutral they, but, but the market has chosen them. Okay. I think then it is the government that has to step in and, and make, force them to be a neutral party. If they're going to be a platform, they have to be neutral in the way that they operate in terms of no political affiliation or political agenda, which is impossible, but... But also, yeah. our, our government doesn't even do that. So why should like if they're enforcing that, they they all they do is uh, make rulings based on political leaning, right? Whether it's the right or left. Yeah, the government, correct? Yeah. So, so on your point. So how is it any worse that Facebook has a known agenda and they act in a certain way? I don't think they have a known agenda. I think that there's so much clandestine activity going beneath the surface. So you think like they're going out of their way to be secretive and they're like actually trying to push an agenda versus make what they think, doing what they think will make the most profit? Um, I think that Facebook has been shown to have an agenda versus what they stay, say on the surface. Yeah. Politicians never lie either. What never. do you think? It's hard because of like, I think with the way Facebook has been set up with this two class um, shareholder system where basically Mark Zuckerberg has like full control and nobody, no one on the board of directors can vote him out. Like he would have to voluntarily step down to not be involved in this. I think that's a really hard thing. I heard. I think that he should, they should regulate. I think. That maybe it's spinning off WhatsApp. I think it's maybe spinning off uh, Instagram and different different platforms of it. I think that that might be helpful. So spinning off like the yeah Instagram that that would you think reduce their 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 sway or yeah I think that it, I think that it would. Um, I think that's it's easier said than done, obviously. But I think like like, like they they I don't think that they should have that much share of voice of the world. The one, the one. Uh, so I have a. What do you, what do you think about this though? Who's going to be the ones writing the regulation that is going to be imposed upon Facebook? Me. I'll write it. <laughs> well, it's going to end up being lawyers for Facebook because they're going to lobby yeah. the hardest, right? Yeah, and that's like their like number one growing like workforce is the, <laughs> the lobbyists. Yeah, and so that, that's why like I have a because I, I have a feeling that we would try to regulate them, and all it would do is regulate competitors out of the market well, they, they have, they have such an entrenched position and then we we have people in congress and, and like just like in in our in our government who don't understand how facebook operates like I, i'm so embarrassed when they have these like hearings oh yeah and people people ask the dumbest questions like dumbest dumb like they don't have any idea i mean people in the supreme court like like some of them don't ever use a computer yeah, <laughs> and they're regulating our, our our world, which is crazy to me. That's why, if we want to get into uh, an argument on the state later, I think that would be interesting. Not today, but for a different time. But uh, I think that's why I, I think I think like regulation would be good if it worked as intended. But I think as we look at probably ninety nine point nine percent of regulations created in the past, they're written by the people that are they're intended to regulate. So all they really do is regulate better alternatives out of the sphere of competition. Yeah, I would agree. 
Um, but there has to, so what's interesting is one of the guys who founded, helped found Facebook or helped kind of take Facebook from this college platform to a global basis. He is now, I heard him on another podcast. I think it was the Sam Harris podcast and I forgot his name, but he's openly stating that like, I truly think that what Facebook has become is a global menace and it is not serving people. And, you know, I've expressed my opinion and that's why I stepped aside of Facebook. And I think it's my imperative as an individual who founded the company to fight back against kind of the, the damage that this organization is causing. Yeah. And that, I find that fascinating from a founder of the organization. Was that, was that Chris Hughes? Do you know? That might've been, let me, let me, Look it up while you guys because he wrote like a New York Times piece and he was like a roommate of Mark Zuckerberg. I don't think I, I honestly think that Mark Zuckerberg is a tremendously intelligent person and tremendously gifted and like like has created something incredible. But I, I think that Chris Hughes is like on the periphery of this. Like he was like the roommate of him. And he helped do like some like little like like marketing and stuff like that. And he got like a bunch of Facebook shares. And he wrote this article in the New York Times, uh, I think like a month ago, about breaking it up, how it should be broken up. Does that kind of come from jealousy? Do you think on his part? Uh, I don't know. I th- his name I, just, is- I just think like one person being in so so much control, and I think that's the thesis of the argument. It's like 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 Mark Zuckerberg is a flawed human, just like everyone is. And yeah. like having one person have so much control over it is crazy. All right, you ready for this? His name is Roger McNamee. Yeah, he wrote it. Yeah, okay, I know him. Roger McNamee has been a Silicon Valley investor for 35 years. He has co-founded several successful venture funds, including Elevation with U2's Bono. He is a former mentor to Facebook's CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, and helped recruit COO Sh- Cheryl Sandberg to the company. And uh, yeah, he, so he has like a, a presence in terms of taking Facebook from its one of its relative infancy stage, getting Cheryl Sandberg in there and turning it into this, this marketing advertising machine that is focused on money over maybe the benefit of humanity. But that's the thing. Where does like... So like Facebook is probably not great for your brain. People get addicted to this, right? They, especially the way it's kind of set up. Like if you, I, I think I've read that if, if you, if you go long enough without like a like, they'll like shoot you a new notification. So you have like a red bell and then you click on it like, Ooh, what is that? Um, how much of it comes down to like a person Wait, choosing? Can you clarify that? So if you don't, if nobody likes your stuff, you get a red bell and they're essentially you, you stink. You gotta like, you gotta do some better stuff, or otherwise we're gonna cut you from the platform. No, no, because like the red bell, or like you get a red number on your, on your bell saying like, oh, you have a new notification. Click here to see what it is, because then it feels like you're you're actually interacting. Oh, half the time it's just like this person, this person uh, posted a new picture or something, someone that you're (laughs) that you're friends with, and. Well, it's like and, everything's engineered for engagement, right? It's yes. like my, our mom, right? Torsten, like she's always like, "Oh, I got like a like a fifty likes on this post, or I got a hundred likes on this post." Yeah, and that's like a human thing to be like, "Wow, people like validate me." 
Exactly. So it's like a thing that you can get addicted to super easily because you're, yeah, you make a post and a bunch of people like it. That's like, if you're sitting in a room and you said a joke and everyone laughed, like you're going to feel good. Right. Mm -hmm. But at what point does it become like, I'm spending too much time focusing on this. It depends how they laugh though. Yeah. If they're laughing at your joke. (laughs) Or if they're they're laughing laughing like you're, uh, when you're doing stand up and it's just pity laughs. (laughs) Uh, Good one. <laughs> but what were you saying, God? But so, like, where when does it come down to like the the person's responsibility to not let this thing be a toxic influence on their life? Oh, it's a hundred percent the individual's responsibility. But if an organization is perpetuating a, a abusive form of interaction, I think that is dangerous to society, and it should be looked at very carefully. Well, it's like going yeah. back to regulation, right? Um, like, like stuff like lotteries and like I think that like Facebook and like all these companies have hired people who just like 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 psychologists and people who understand how dopamine works and like like even casinos, you know, like bright lights, like you get like these notifications that are like, wow, like like I really got something. That's a fantastic I- analogy because if you look at so by the same token, if you look at lottery system i mean how beneficial is that to society you know you get a millions of people contributing you know probably a significant amount of their income where they're at to something where the probability is infinitely small that they're going to come out with anything and they're wasting that money the poor man right the poor man's tax poor man's right tax. Yeah. but is it is it that way because it's regulated because who who's when someone wins the lottery, who wins the majority of the money? The government, exactly. And who regulates it? The government. Do you th- do you think that's like a coincidence? Um, I mean, they're they're involved in anything that's related to our finances, so they can get a share, which is again dangerous. So that's what I'm saying. We if we if we take and regulate Facebook, that basically regulates it to being the only option. So like the lottery, as an example, that's the, that's the only option that you can do, except for like the small, like you can do like a 50-50 raffle at like a sporting event or something. But that's the only major like nationwide lottery because it's regulated like that. Yeah, I, I think fundamentally we need regulation. Yeah, like to your point that government does get rewards for, for different things, but like like you just have these monopolies that come out. So think of like Microsoft and like the anti, um, like the antitrust stuff that's happened. I think that a lot of antitrust stuff has actually ended up in value to different people because you bust up these companies and they actually add tremendous value. So like if Google was busted up and you had like YouTube as its own thing, like they would get involved in like search, you know, in, in like, like search engines and things like that. I think that there's a there's a value there in like monopolies, but I think that it's a fine line. But also, if you look at some of the biggest companies in the United States, and then look at how much money they get from uh, tax credits and subsidies, I, I would um, I would argue that they're at the point they are because they've received special treatment. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, I think yeah. And they have they get special treatment because they have the most money and they have the best lobbyists and they know how to work the political system and they get things done which will be conducive to their business environment. 
Yeah. So why do why do we give anybody enough power to to pick and choose winners based on they're going to bring fifty thousand jobs to my town or something like that? Shouldn't everybody just get that super low tax rate where you can? Wouldn't that be more conducive instead of focusing on like the kind of croniest the croniest uh, way that we have it right now? So your argument is: Would it be beneficial for us to lower the tax rate to set tax rate for everybody, including corporations, and to get rid of all the political mumbo jumbo to incentivize people for all these different activities? Well, I'm just saying, why why isn't everybody treated the same, especially business wise? Like, why do we give people enough power to pick and choose winners? based on what they're going to receive, whether it's politically or through some sort of appointment after they're done with politics? Uh, well, I think you're just talking about the fundamental flaws with our current government right now, right? Well, kind of, but that's where I, that's where my argument against regulation comes in. And you're, does that continue with Facebook so that it shouldn't be regulated is your argument? Yes. Huh. So your current argument is that Facebook should not be regulated because of our current horse trading system that we have in place today that allows pharmaceutical companies to benefit the that the way the way they've been benefiting at the cost of the consumer. Yeah. So by the same token if we don't regulate a, an organization like Facebook then it will have beneficial consequences rather than what the society that we have currently i would say it couldn't it couldn't be worse and that idea of an organization accumulating incredible amounts of data on all of its users and then incorporating a financial system that is allows it to further take control and then begin to quiet people who they believe do not fit their particular agenda that is not at all questionable. I'm not saying it's not questionable. I'm saying the the uh, the prescription is going to be worse than the disease. So we're going to allow Except- them to basically self-regulate because that's how laws work in this country. Because they're gonna they're gonna write something that the average person says, "Oh yeah, that's that's probably reasonable." But what it's going to end up doing is making it so nobody can afford to pay for legal fees and enter the sphere. Well, I mean, at their current rate, they're doing that already, right? Well, no, there's other, there's other uh, platforms that are attempting to rise. But if, if, you, if you regulate it now where they need all these things in order to meet these regulations, all, none of these small companies are going to be able to afford the lawyer fees or uh, lobbyist fees to get anything in their way. And they're going to have to go away. How would you summarize your point in a brief statement? As far as like, how like I said, the prescriptions worse than the disease because basically I, my argument is is that if we if we regulate Facebook, we're going to be regulating them into a player in the industry. Sorry, cut it out. We're going to be regu- regulating them. What? We're going to regulate them into the only player in the industry. Like who are the other players? Do you think? Well, there's like uh, Minds, uh, Gab. MySpace. Um, no, uh, uh, there's, uh, there's a, there's a few others right now. That I can't think about chat snap, snap, uh, but like it's, it's what, what are a, the uh, Twitter? Like, like, yeah, maybe Twitter. Uh, you know who else is there? <laughs> I guarantee this like, is like a, 
this is like an old person conversation. I bet you there's a lot of out there that that like these idiots. Well, <laughs> minus the fact that nobody's listening to this, but like <laughs> there are. I guarantee there's so many other like young. Nice well, like, that's what I'm all. saying. It's TikTok, right? In that's like, that's have you heard of Minds? TikTok is a song. It's the original. Uh, <laughs> no, it's yeah. it's a song with also a thing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> TikTok on the clock and something don't <laughs> shut. <laughs> no, but there there's others. Uh, uh, one of the I, I tried to go on Gab for a little bit. It was pretty bad. Who who has the share that Facebook has? Like What's almost like two billion users, maybe three billion. Like who knows? Well, let's look at when the internet first came about, and everyone thought AOL was going to be the biggest company in the world where are they now well like do you think you don't think that there's a natural point for government like antitrust like i like you think about their their breakups of like what was like at&t microsoft like i i feel like those have led to shareholder value in the long run i, I don't think we could know if what the value like the the uh, what's the uh, economics term the opportunity cost was of that because we didn't get to see the alternative mm, you got to see it maybe in the rise so if you look at like during the industrial revolution the opportunity cost in the fact that the little men or the <laughs> the little people were <laughs> little women <laughs> the the working class were basically shafted you know we're gonna we're gonna take down your pay you're gonna work uh 20 hours a day and if you don't like that then hey we got someone who's gonna work yeah when was that that you're saying industrial revolution well see i I would argue that those people are working those jobs because it's still better than the alternative we had before that which was living off of what you could grow right i i would i would agree that there was benefit to that to a point, though, because until I think the industrial still- revolution, we were basically living off of like two dollars a day for forty thousand years. My point is like when U.S. Steel was in full force and people were working in these hazardous conditions, and they didn't have any type of voice. I think that's where the unions came into play, and that was incredibly beneficial. Yeah, I think government regulation the- with stuff like yeah, like unions like forty-hour work week. And like not child labor laws and things like that. And I, 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 there is the argument too that, um, you know, if, uh, if you have a son who's a industrious kid and he wants to make a couple extra bucks and can do it in a safe manner, it's annoying that regulation would prevent him from working too. Right. Well, yeah, even that take that further to the minimum wage, the minimum wage hasn't helped anybody. All it's done is remove jobs from the market right yeah it seems like with standard economics if you're gonna increase a minimum wage then you're gonna have less people that can work because businesses can only sustain a certain amount of people at a certain level of pay and thus less people can work what do you think about the minimum wage soren um it's a very complicated question i think um like you, you talk about like San Francisco where you have a an environment where the median like apartment might rent for like four thousand dollars or three thousand dollars a month. Jeez. And let's say like the, the minimum wage is like twelve dollars. Like you, you physically you can't afford to live there, right? 
Yeah. You, you, phys- you cannot afford to live there at the minimum wage. But are people going to choose to live there regardless? What do you What do you mean, like regardless? <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, like even, even, oh, even if thoughts, Kyle. Well, I, I'm saying like all the minimum wage does. Is, so anybody who who can't work for twelve dollars an hour doesn't even have any job. So well, I think it provides like a like you need certain jobs which have been like kind of devalued in our society, right? Like cl- cleaners. Um, staff who are working like different like service industries and, and things like that. Like if you if you have like a McDonald's or you have like a fast food place, yeah. Um, so so you think that they shouldn't? I don't. It's just like a very tough question. I think it is, and then because that's the, what's the answer? Do you do you make people have to work longer hours in order to afford to live certain places, or do you? Yeah, there's like, a point where you can't even you can't even do that. You could be working 80 hours. You could you can max the amount of time uh, time you could physically put at work and still not be a, able to afford you know uh, standard of living. Yeah, I think like in San Francisco, San Francisco is probably the worst. I don't know of any area worse. Maybe maybe Manhattan is Doesn't equal. Doesn't it have but... the the largest homeless population of any city as well? Um, I don't know if it's 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 very large like per capita yeah and i think it's particularly tough because of like there's a lot of conditions like the weather is like you can live outside over the years and i think a lot of people have shipped people here and there's been a lot of tolerance for homelessness which is just like it's a tough thing like you walk down the street and you see people shooting up like meth um like i see that in front of my office building you know people just shooting up i saw that in denver um me and my girlfriend were going to the pride festival and we saw someone in the street you know just in the middle of the street like a popular street just sitting off to the side pulled down his pants found a vein on his thigh and shot up really it's yeah it's just shocking like denver's a super wealthy world right it's like a top city hub and like san francisco is very wealthy and you see so many people who are so wealthy like, like I heard one of my one of my like I met with someone and they're like, oh, like a hundred like if you make like a hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, that's considered like low income in San yeah. Francisco. Well, especially you, considering your costs, right? Yeah, considering your costs, and just you see so many people like on my way to work, just like homeless. You want to hear? Okay, so here's the U.S. cities homeless po- homeless people. Number one, guess number one. It's per capita. Or total? Um, it's total. I would say New York City then. I would say yeah. Los Angeles. Oh, really? New York then Los New York with roughly eighty thousand, and this is twenty eighteen. Um, Los Angeles fifty, Seattle twelve, San Diego nine, San Francisco seven. So maybe this is a little bit dated. Visiting my my friend Jacob in Seattle was yeah that was very shocking. Uh, Especially the way, because Seattle too is a lot of homeless people that could work, but they they're like rebelling against their parents or something, and like you see them like they're they're basically hipsters that choose to like live in bus shelters, yeah, and just do drugs. Which I, I don't know how how sustainable that is for a city. Yeah, and I think are, like like Microsoft is right the big employer. In Seattle, yeah, yeah. a ton of it's a really wealthy area as well. 
Yeah, I think it kind of it it opens up the conversation as you know, as far as homelessness, all of the different issues that are going on with people, yeah. the things that could be done better by the government. I think you know, mental health, education, all the stuff that could improve the situation instead of ignoring these people. Well, it's like it, it, I mean, like the housing and stuff. Like I had um, a coworker, and like I. I Okay, so he, this, is this coworker he brought he bought like a a, a duplex in San Francisco. Wow, and must be rich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he's done very well. Um, like, but he said like he saved up. You know, he's in his, his like forty, like mid forties. You know, like he saved up over a period of time, and they bought it. They've been searching for years to buy this duplex, and like the the situation in San Francisco is like the housing authority. It's like very tough to like evict people who are renting yeah and so they found this place that it was like listed really weirdly there's like weird images and like it was just like odd and like there was two rentals in already and so like if you're selling a place usually you want it free right yeah but there's two rentals already in it so they bought this place and so in san francisco's like normal process Let's say like you have to go through like this rigmarole where you have to give people a notification if you if they're renting, be like, hey, like we're gonna have to give you like three months notification that you have to move out and we're gonna move in. And through San Francisco, you have to pay them something like twenty five thousand dollars to to move out. And so like my my coworker was like, okay, um, twenty five thousand. You know what we what we want to do is we don't we don't want to go through like the city system like it's exhausting we have to hire like a lawyer do all this stuff what we're going to do is we're going to offer you guys more money to to move out sooner like let's give you like 2 months or or something like that so they 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 went to these these people who are already living in there and they're like okay we'll give you like a, like 35,000 the the people who are living in the unit said no <laughs> You want to guess what they countered with? They said, we'll counter with an amount. Is it double? More. No way. A hundred. More. Two hundred. No. One hundred and fifty thousand. Wow. To move out. It's like <sighs> this environment of just like craziness. And my coworker is like, you know what? Like we saved. We, we like we, we've been saving for so long to buy this place. And like we had anticipated this cost, but like a hundred and fifty thousand, it's just crazy. And then even if they give the three months notice, are those people will they like evict them, or if they've been there for a certain amount of time, are they just can they just squat? I don't think they can. I think like it's a very like they'll have to go through the city process, and it would take three months, but they'd be able to get them out. And so okay. I think they're they're going to go through that. Yeah, because now uh, between lawyers and. Because apparently what happened was when the seller was going to sell the place, and this happens, I guess, a lot in San Francisco, if you're going to sell a place and maybe you're a developer or something like that, if you have tenants in place, you'll actually, you will pay them like $100,000 or like $70,000 to leave because it's actually worth it to, to the increase in value. Versus like paying them to get out, like like for someone to come in and buy the place. Yeah, because if someone's buying a place that already has people in it, they're probably they're they're uh, pricing in that. Well, I'm gonna have to pay these guys 150 grand to leave. 
Mm-hmm. And, and you you like oh like the property value has gone up like five hundred thousand dollars or something crazy you know i'll pay them a hundred thousand dollars to leave wow and so so apparently i think the seller had offered them like a hundred thousand and like like the seller was in like a tough place but my coworker is like you know what like we have options like i can just get them out in three months and i'll wait i'm not gonna yeah. pay them one hundred fifty thousand. no that's like, incredible. Because like, I would be like, fuck you. Like, I'm not going to pay you that. I'm going to wait three months. Yeah. But then how much? Yeah. But so you have to pay the city 25 grand, you said? Yeah. It's like something along those lines. And then I wonder how much the lawyers are probably at least that, right? Yeah. It's just, can you imagine? It's just, this is what San Francisco is. It's a crazy environment. Yeah. That's nuts. Um, shifting to the how we would kind of, how do, the best way to help like the working class and poor. I would argue would be to end fractional reserve banking in the Fed, which might not sound connected, but I think it is. Well, I guess you could argue that the reason that we are in our current state is because of fractional banking. I would, yeah, I would say so. And I, I think just the way fractional reserve banking works is that there's so much debt money created that it drives up asset prices to incredible amounts. And in order to buy a house, it's expected that you're taking out debt now. It's almost unheard of to just pay for something cash, right? Pretty much these days. Yeah. So I think that's just one of the small things that fractional reserve banking has harmed. And I think that the biggest harm that it's done is to the savings of the working class and people who can't afford to throw money into the stock market or uh, even just a CD or anything, because they they might not have they might not be able to tie up money for a year, because uh, as the uh, monetary supply increases, inflation devalues your savings, and it's compounded over years. A hundred dollars in 1913, which is when the the most recent version of the Federal Reserve Act was passed, would have bought you over twenty five hundred dollars worth of stuff today. I think that's a good intro into our next conversation on the next podcast, digging a little bit deeper into the Federal Reserve and if it has been beneficial or if it has been kind of a a malignant, had a malignant effect on the United States as a whole. But we might have to save that conversation until a little bit later, until we do a little bit more research so we know what we're talking a little bit more instead of Kyle pulling up these random bits of information that are tied to nothing. Tied to nothing. (laughs) Do you have the uh, catchphrase generator up per chance? Um, No, but I can... uh, Because unfortunately my Chrome is not working, so I'm forced to use Edge like a 75-year-old. What's it called? I think it's just catchphrasegenerator.org or something like that. Uh, Maybe it's .com. Slogangenerator.org? It's well, not, let's, let's create our own for this evening. So no. <laughs> it's, it's, in our, uh, it's in our thing. Hold on. I can get it. It's in our uh, document, our Google Doc. I, I did it on, sh- on slogangenerator.org, and it says, no one knows Chernobyl like we do. Nuh-uh. You came up with that? <laughs> you I, I like it. it out. That's exactly right. 
Well, I, I actually found ours, and I say I refer to you, Junior. So I think your your yours is the one we're going with. <laughs> That's what it came up as. Both of those were very fitting of the situation. Yeah, it's kind of weird, actually. I refer to you, Junior. <laughs> Yay! The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.